Hi, I'm Simon Bamford. You're listening to Midwest Monsters Podcast, and we want to know what's your pleasure. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry but that's <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts. Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am one of your hosts, I'm Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by my best friends, Mad Chan, Professor Wagstaff. So good to be with you once again. We've uh, got another um, good-looking episode up for you here. We're doing another one because the first one went over so well. I don't know that for a fact, but I got some feedback from some people, and people really enjoyed it. So we are doing yet another Monster Mash. Ladies and gentlemen, just be prepared. I think this is going to be the way of the future. We're going to do, I mean, we're going to stick with themes and franchises. We're going to keep doing that. But the Monster Mash will be a mainstay because it gives us a great opportunity to talk about films we normally wouldn't talk about. You know, stuff that doesn't fit in any other genre or theme or anything like that. So we're going to stick with that. So tonight's Monster Mash, again, for those of you who don't remember the rules, is each one of us picks out a film. And we all have to watch it. So yeah. we have three films lined up that each one of us chose <clears throat> for each other to watch. Um, do we want to say what films we watched and then launch into it? Or should we just do it one at a time? Well, if I'm, I'm scared that if we tell them right now what films we watch, they'll be like, no, nah, not listening to that. Well, but I think we're probably going to put that in like the, the iTunes description. All right, fine. This so is awkward. We, so we watched Rosemary's Baby. Now, who picked Rosemary's Baby? That would be me. Professor Wagstaff. We watched Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Who picked that? That was me. That's Matt you. Chan. And then we watched Black Waters of Echo's Pond. Who picked that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's me. That's Fate. Right. <laughs> I really like the way that you try to be cute on this show. You're just like, oh, it was me. Uh, I'm adorable. Whatever. Anyways, so, um, all right, so, so, getting started, don't say that, (laughs) (laughs) so, right out the bat, um, Mad Chan had decided that we should probably talk about Rosemary's Baby first, and I'm going to let, you know what, before I let Mad Chan talk, Ah. because he's known to do that at length, (laughs) I want to let uh, Professor explain why he chose Rosemary's Baby. I picked this because I didn't know if we would for sure fit this into a theme, and I think it's one of 
the you know for some the scariest movie ever made but also to others you know they don't think it's scary at all but it's certainly important and well respected and you know we may have done one you know on cults or something along those lines but we certainly would have done i don't think have done a polanski episode you know i i wonder did we and this may you guys may or may not remember um or maybe our listeners will remember did we touch on this at all during the possession episode i don't think i we don't did. think we did because it's not a possession yeah. film but just because it deals with satan yeah maybe, I no don't. i don't think we did but either either way I thought that it was a movie worth talking about a little bit more in detail and examining because, you know, I would assume at least a percentage of the people who do listen to the show either appreciate or love the movie. So I thought it'd be a good one to throw in there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Man, Jan, give us some of the facts on the film. Oh, okay. So we're looking at Rosemary's Baby, 1968, directed by Roman Polanski. That was Roman Polanski's first American film. It was his first film that he filmed over here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, starring the lovely, beautiful Mia Farrow. Beautiful. John Cassavetes. Uh, Maurice Evans played Hutch, the uh, the older gentleman who, I don't want to say AIDS, but kind of that's a friend of... Guy in Rosemary Woodhouse. Um, Maurice Evans, for some of you uh, cult fans, played Dr. Zayas in Planet of the Apes. So that's something interesting. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> Dr. And, Zayas, Dr. Zayas. And then we had uh, Ruth Gordon and Sidney Blackmer, who were Minnie and Roman Cassavet. Mm-hmm. Which, if you look at the naming here, yeah. it's kind of weird. <laughs> right, right. No, because you have, a Cass- you have the Minnie and Roman Cassavet. Roman Polanski's the director, and you have Roman Cassavetes. I don't know. Just, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I will say quickly, uh, you know I like to frame things a lot historically, and you know a lot when we talk about some of these older horror films, we're, we're talking about the Vietnam era. This was 1968. This would have been the year of the Tet Offensive, which is a major turning point in the Vietnam War. So that could have changed some uh, hearts and minds about what was going on in the war and certainly what was affecting the film landscape. Why are you mad, Mad Chan? <laughs> Not mad, just um, no things. You know, start to take a, a darker tone. Yeah, with what people is, are going. To no, watch I now. understand. I mean, and this wasn't the movie that Polanski came across the pond to direct. He came across to direct an entirely different movie, and this one was tossed into his lap. And later on, the studio admitted that they always wanted him to direct Rosemary's Baby because they thought it was subject matter that he would really grasp onto and make a decent movie out of, and which obviously he did. And this is also the time that uh, Roman Polanski has a pregnant wife by the name of Sharon Tate. Yes, yes. Um, one of you guys is probably going to remember better. Um, what Wonder, year? The Wonderland murders happened in '69. Okay. One That's, year it's later, the Hollywood Hills murders. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we backed into the driveway of the house where that happened. Me and my dad. Really? Looking for a completely different location the Hollywood he Hills noticed in the rear view yeah. mirror oh there's like wonderland that's that's pete holmes isn't it yeah yeah okay sorry i, I just had that wrong i'm sorry yeah it's all right it's all right i don't, I don't yeah wanna, but it was it was the, the sharon tate murder it was the it was the helter skelter murder yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. it was that's, one so year that's 69. The, yeah this movie came I out one so. year yeah this yeah. movie was made and came yeah. out one year before the helter skelter murders right and mia farrow actually if you we want to get into that mia farrow was actually served divorce papers by her then famous husband frank sinatra while on the set of this movie 
Yeah, it's uh, interesting, and that was a fact I wanted to get straight before the movie, and it's interesting because it's it's murky. Um, I remember reading in a certain memoir on Frank Sinatra. I used to I used to love Frank Sinatra. Like really? I, was, I think every <laughs> every guy goes through a period where there was like nuts about the Rat Pack, and uh, <laughs> you go and so like I was reading a couple of memoirs on Sinatra, and there was always the thing about how. He really just hated how Mia Farrow cut her hair for this film. Like it was. Oh, but it deal. was the it was the infamous pixie do. It was one of the first. Yeah, it was. And it was the, the Vidal Sassoon. Vidal Sassoon. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Right. And so, like, there was always the rumor that that Sinatra hated this cut, and the rumor was that it, it led to the divorce. Really, um, the haircut. But you know what's interesting is that I read uh, just a conflicting report recently that said, "Oh, Mia Farrow says no, no, no. Sinatra loved the haircut." So, whatevs. I don't know. I, I know the popular story is that Sinatra freaking hated it. All right, so do you want to dive into the movie? Well, I'd always heard that um, he was upset about how involved her career was. Exactly. Yeah, right. Um, and I don't know if he wasn't allowed on the set. Like, his yeah. clout didn't matter as much, especially on a young, arrogant director's. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Polanski. No, I, mean, I mean, it's Roman Polanski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Sinatra was definitely always on a power trip. He always had to be in control. Yeah. And I can also see with what you were talking about how that was, it was kind of thrown in his lap because I feel like, and I don't know if you guys have seen Repulsion, but there's a lot going on in that movie where if you're trying to get this movie made, you look at that and go, there's a lot going on in there that would be perfect for the vision of what we want. With right, this movie. right. So that, that may have had a, a hand in that. Right. Yeah. So um, let's dive into the film. I mean, Mad Channel, is there someplace you want to take us, or Professor? Is there um, I, I would like to go ahead and start. I want to get my feelings about this film out of the way. I've got comments on the film. But um, so here's my take on Rosemary's Baby, and I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. Um, beautifully shot movie. It's a Polanski film. I mean, it looks amazing. Um, 30 minutes in, Mia Farrow gets uh, drugged and raped by the devil. An hour and 45 minutes later, she gives birth to it. She gives birth to a demon child, and uh, nothing else happens in between. <laughs> that's Rosemary's ba- That's Mad Chan's version of Rosemary's Baby in a nutshell. Yeah, I got a, I got a feeling that this was not going to be your type of movie. I, I, I like slow burns, but this was just... Um, what, what slow burns do you like? <laughs> huh? Is that what slow burns do you like? Terminator 2? <laughs> no, no, but I mean, no, I, um, I was with, uh, I was with the professor and I knew we were going to do this movie and we happened to be out at a place and they had the Criterion Collection DVDs on sale. Oh, and, you bought that, didn't and you? And I bought the Criterion Collection DVD. I, <laughs> I bought the Criterion Collection DVD because I was with the professor, and I'm not. I'm not sorry I did. I love the extra features. I love everything else that it came with the movie. But the movie was just um, going back and revisiting it. I was just like, man, I remembered. I remember the pacing a lot different, and maybe I was. I don't know what I was doing the first time I watched it, but I just remember the pacing. It just seemed to run a little slow for me. But as, but you can't take anything away from it visually. I thought the movie visually was stunning. Professor? Um, I think the only movie that is more impactful with color would be Suspiria. Mm. Uh, I think that the Criterion release vastly improved on what had been put out before, because I owned it. And, I mean, it it might be minor to a lot of people, but it was kind of washed out, which was the huge complaint. Uh, So that was a pretty fun release for them to put out, and it, it looks great which I'm sure you guys agree with. 
Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, like, in terms of what you're talking about being a slow burner, I think that's part of what makes it effective, though, is the psychological aspect um, of showing her world kind of caving in on her. Like, you know, I can understand from a viewer standpoint, you just flat out either, yeah, that's not enough for me, and that's fine. But for me, that's what I like about it is that it builds up that you see, you know, the frustration and the hopelessness that's kind of taking over for her because it's like more and more people are just making her feel crazy. You know, she's hiding medication in the wall that they're trying to give her. And, right. You know, it's just... So that that's my feeling. I It, it might be a pinch too long. I mean, it it's a little over two hours. That's yeah. a long movie. It's like yeah. two hours and 19 minutes long. But it's a commitment. to me, it's worth it. But yeah, I would agree, though. It is, it's a little long, but it, it looks so damn good. That oh, no, no, right. it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love this movie. I, I just think this is a fantastic movie. And it's funny... I love just the isolation of Mia Farrow in the big city. You know, like right. she, she's going nuts. Like she can't handle it. Like she's got nowhere to turn, and everywhere she tries to turn, everybody says, "No, you're cool." You know, like do this or that, and like uh, consequently, or, or that's not the word I'm looking for. Coincidentally, uh, that's me when I get into a big city. Yeah, <laughs> I run, I run around crazy like Mia Farrow. I hate big yeah, city. Cut all my hair get, off, and you get raped by the songs. devil. And yeah, exactly. Right that's what it feels like when I'm in a big. <laughs> but uh yeah like that's i uh, i mean it's just when you're in that concrete jungle it's just an interesting thing i just i kind of love isolation films in the way that you know a cabin in the woods movie is not that different from rosemary's baby because she's alone yeah but it's there's people everywhere noise right, around the, her. i think the thing for me was it's the um coming from the the age of empowerment you know like now and living with the people that I live with, you know what I'm talking about. Living with the people I live with and coming from the age of empowerment, that just would never fly. Somebody telling my wife what doctor to go to, who she can and oh, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. It's from the like age you, of empowerment, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I just, I think that's part of the reason because I, I literally live with somebody. If I was like, no, this is the doctor you're going to see now, she'd be like, nah, it's not <laughs> happening. And I think that's one of the things. Child, um, please. Yeah, I want to go. I want to give you a few of my notes real quick because I wrote down some things. I mean, I I didn't give up on this movie. I think in the context in which I was watching it for a show here, being with the person that, being with the person and people that I'm with, like this kind of thing, just in my world, my current world wouldn't fly. I can see why it has the aspects it does. I want to um, a few of the things I wrote down was uh, Hutch knew an awful lot about the history of the building that they were moving into. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know anything at uh, all. Lisha Cook from like, Maltese Falcon and all kinds oh, of stuff. Oh, okay. okay. Right, right. Um, I put, how hot is Mia Farrow? I, I, the <laughs> first part of this movie was awesome. You had Mia Farrow boobies everywhere. and She's a dime. Yeah, just what I do. She's just, a total dime. Yeah. I like her by the end. <laughs> <laughs> did you, real quick, did either of you notice the scene? There's one where she's she bends over a little bit. And, and you can back. see her ribs yes. and back through yes. her dress. I just want to just want to mention yeah, that no, while no, I was no, thinking no, of yeah. it. I didn't remember that from previous viewings. I came up, I was like, "Ee, <laughs> nasty." And one of the things that maybe took me out of this was, uh, I wrote down the note, "Let's have a baby," and poof, it's on. Like Cassavetes comes in. There's that scene where he comes in. He's secure now in what he's doing, and he thinks it's a good time. She walks in that in the apartment. He's just like, "I think we should have a baby." I've marked the dates on the calendar. Here it goes. I'm, I don't live in that world. 
Like, I'm not going to tell any woman, like, hey, look, I'm going to take over your body right now, and we're going to have a kid. And they, my wife looked at me. I've been trying to have a kid for four years. She's like, no. <laughs> I've been, I've been, been, you know, and uh, another thing, the ritual slash rape scene was beautiful. I thought that was amazing. Like, was after, well she, after she ate the mouse, I like the way they called it, mouse. After she ate the chocolate mousse, I mean, like, everything there, being out on the boat, the what was going on the actual scene itself i thought that was amazing i really did I, I i give it up to that scene like the visual the visuals there and the way she was looking at it and the way they interjected the uh the devil and, i mean i thought all that, that hand was very well done. Oh, oh yeah yeah she oh, was, man the blood all over her i mean that was amazing i give it up to that i would say that's one of the few like dream surreal sequences ever put in a movie that i received well yeah, usually stuff just gets too weird and it's ineffective. But there's something about that. Where even like, you know, a half an hour later in the movie, you're sitting there going, "Man, did I? Did something just happen to me?" Yeah, like the, was that was that real earlier? Yeah. Did that she, really she makes the comment during that scene, "This is real. This is not a dream. This is real," and you're just like, "Is it?" I mean, that was that was very well done. But <laughs> when John Cassavetes. She talks to she wakes up and she has the scratches on her. And he's like, Well, I didn't want to give up this opportunity to knock you up. He says it was fun in a necrophi in a necrophile sort of way. You know, you just laid there. I mean, he was just like it was amazing that she just laid there and he he had sex with her anyway. And I was like, Really, dude? Like no, man. Like, come on. I don't want to upset the necrophiliacs who listen to our show. Oh, no, but... please. No, no, no. If you guys do that, by all means, keep going, dog. I mean, you're good for you. Like, if yeah, they don't a, fight back and nobody a, presses charges, do what you got to do. Man. What a creepy thing to say. Right. <laughs> Both you and the movie. I mean, what a, <laughs> well, well, what a treat. What a, what a treat. Um, Just what a treat. I thought the scene where she ate the liver... Um, for as powerful as that was, like the baby needing this, the baby needing this blood raw meat, um, where she she really ate the liver in that. Yeah. You know, she ate her, yeah. well, and uh, that was cool. But it was just kind of it was it was a real quick scene, you know. And um, I don't know. Let's um, if we can, let's talk about the the final scene. Oh, let's let please. It, stick with me forever. Yeah. That'll stick with that's me forever. Wild. Uh, that is just nuts. Oh, um, dude, I laughed so hard. Yeah, see, and that's and that's the point I want to make. Like before I get into what about the final scene stuck with me, I, th I feel like this film has a polarizing effect, like The Exorcist does, whereas people think it's funny or people are terrified by it. That's yeah. the thing. I, I I was terrified of The Exorcist. I kind of chuckled at this one. Right. I was terrified of this too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What? Because I'm putting myself in her shoes. Yeah, and, but. Continue. But, uh, you know, it, it's, a re it's a reminder to me, you know, the professor and I are both close with the, uh, we've got friends, the, the Price family. And and Billy, being the elder of the, the siblings, Billy just was just rocked by this movie because he was a kid when it came out. Billy and, was a kid. Yeah, you could go there. <laughs> but but later in life, he was like, he told Bill or Mark and Gina, he was like, you got to watch this movie. It's like the scariest movie ever. And they just laughed through it. And I'm yeah. like... Man, you know, but it just has that effect, kind of like The Exorcist. You told me it was the scariest movie right. ever made, and some people were like, "Oh, I thought that was hilarious." But see, dude, I, I've been through that before. I told, uh, I remember, I went out and sought out Last House on the Left, like when I was a kid. I was like, "Man, I've heard so much about this movie. I've got to see this movie." And I went and got Last House on the Left, and the people I watched it with, the people that rented it for me, laughed and kind of chuckled at it. Why I thought it was terrifying, right? 
So right. I mean, I, I can get on yeah, board yeah, yeah. with that. I, I'm, I'm taking nothing away from Polanski here. I mean, it was. I see the need for it. Yeah. This final scene, I remember, and it's funny too. It, it's still with uh, a guy that I used to sell cars with, my friend Trent. We still, as a joke to each other from across the showroom, or even like when I see him someplace out, we'll raise our hand up in the air and we'll go, Hail to Satan! <laughs> because that's just, to me, that's so mind-blowing. You've got this room full of old people who are like... And they're dev- jolly. Yeah, they're, 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 like, they're like jolly devotees to Satanism. Like, that's just not the image we grew up with. We grew up in, in like... You know, kind of hysteria and witch fever through the, the late 80s and early 90s where everybody thought Satanism was ruining the world. We later found out it was all garbage. That wasn't really happening. But, like, that was the thing. Like, we were just scared that there were satanic cults everywhere, like mm-hmm. kidnapping children and babies. Wow. You... See, I think maybe that's why this hit a little different for you. Like, I didn't care. Like, okay. that that didn't bother me as much. I remember hearing those stories. It just, it, to me, it was just some weird kooky occult stuff that I could read. Yeah. So... Maybe that's why this didn't bother me as much. Okay. So. Am I weird in that? <laughs> like, no, I just, like... I, just, I just don't know that I was reading, like, occult stuff when I was, like, eight and nine years old. See, that's, a, that's the thing, dude. I was really, I mean, I was really, I was already, we've talked about it before on the show, I was already into horror at that point. Right, right, like, right. But, I mean, like, but we're talking about different things here. Like, I'm talking about, like, you know, Geraldo and Oprah are doing shows, or not, yeah, not Oprah, no, like yeah, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, or Phil Donahue, they're doing shows about, like, these satanic cults throughout the country. And... Mr. Adams, could you please stop calling? We don't know where they meet. Right, like, so, I mean, yeah, it's like this very much this thing, and, like, I'm not saying I was, like, living in constant fear of it. I just right. remember those days. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch Rosemary's Baby probably until I was like 22, 23. Okay. And so it was like hearkening back to that era where I'm like, oh, man, this is yeah, nuts. Because cause when I think of like, you know, Satanism, which this is, uh, you know, just a different idea of what true Satanism is, period. But like when I think, like I just think of like devil worshippers in the woods, like drinking blood and wearing like goat's heads. Like that's obviously right. not what like Anton LaVey Satanism is. Very different things. But like. You know, but to see old people in suits and ties. Yeah, one of them was from the Andy Griffith show. The, the, one, <laughs> the one lady was had, was from Mayberry. Right, right. And so, yes, yeah, so these people are like, hail to Satan, raising their champagne glasses. So I was like, oh, my God, this is this is worldwide. This yeah. is all happening. Like, you know, like that's the sort of fear well, that, that it induced. And I, I think that what made that so effective was that it was, we just do this one. <laughs> wondering what's going on um no what made it so effective was that you're surrounded by these people through the movie they're normal they're very average uh they're older they're generous neighbors and i think that's what makes it effective and right. for some people funny uh, especially like... when she's rocking the cradle over yeah. there you know but to me they're not goth kids yeah you know exactly yeah but to me that's what makes it so effective though is that even still through all this she's sitting there alone She's in a room full of 20, 30 people, and she's still, still alone. alone. She's been it's forced to point. have a baby. Great point. And it's right across the room from it, and she's still alone. Yeah. And and to me, that's what's so scary about it is you you rewind in your head what, what all has transpired through this film up until where you are and, and what has led to this. Um, and, yeah, I think that's what's very effective, and I, I think that how subtle it all is is what makes it work. I think that if it would have been very you know, just over the top through the ending, it would have just trashed the movie. I agree. But I, I just, and a couple of side notes I want to say while I'm thinking of it. 
one, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I thought it was very creepy listening to the one guy talk about bad things happening there. And even in the opening credits, we see where Lennon will be shot a number of years later. This oh, is wow. where he lives. Yeah. This yeah. is in the Dakota. And I, I just thought that was kind of, you yeah. know, eerie and a coincidence. Well, it's probably because they made that devil movie there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why John Lennon got shot, because that devil stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. That is kind of no, that that was kind of freaky. But like '69, well, we were 11 years away from winning. You know? Yep. Yep. Well, yeah, '68. Well, '68, so 12 yeah. years away yeah. from winning in China. Yeah. In the exact same building. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Well, out front of the building. That's real talk. Um, some of my notes on this, on the end of this movie, was uh, like you guys were talking, like you guys had said what you said. Uh, my note specifically says the party where they all hail Satan was laughable. I chuckled. The guy said, "Hail Satan." I heard, "Hail Hitler." I kind of chuckled because I heard it in the in the offshoot fifties. You know, in the offshoot fifties, um, what the fifties like uh, or fifties sixties? Uh, the how uh, the movies, the Steve McQueen type movies. You know, "Hail Hitler." You know, I just well, I heard yeah, it like "Hail funny. Satan." And kind of laughed. A at good it. a good connection to that though was there was always that. Um, there's always talk about that that group of Nazis that escaped to South America. They were called Odessa. Yeah. And like I remember seeing documentaries about them and you mm-hmm. see these old people up into like the nineties right. at funerals doing the Hail Hitler mm-hmm. of their friends who are like dying. And right. it's like it is it's it's funny. It, yeah, you didn't mean to make that connection, but it does make that connection for me. Like, oh, I, know, I, I totally believe that Hitler was a part of the Odessa group, but it's whatever. That's for a different podcast. <laughs> That's for a different podcast. No, really, I, I, yeah. I believe he was. So, there. like, you get that thing of like oh, these shoot. these old people who are still saying "Hail Hitler," and so, it's very much like those people doing "Hail Satan." Yeah, no, he does. He does the "Hail Satan" thing. Um, the thing that really got me was just like he has his father's eyes, and then they do the flash, and they do the flash background scene. You get to see the devil's eyes, and then. It's just like, what's wrong with his hands and his feet? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with his hands and his feet. You know, they make that comment. But the thing that killed me the most about this, like I said, coming, living with the people I do, being the way I am, um, when John Cassavetes was like, uh, they promised me they weren't going to hurt you. Like, he was cool with it. He was absolutely cool with it. He was just like, well, they promised me they weren't going to hurt you. And, um... He got a movie career out of it. like he because you hear him talking about going to Paramount and whatever. He's like he got a movie career out of it. So from 1968 to now, it's fine. He he was he sold his soul for a film career and not Thanks a lot a has lot, changed. Paramount. I'm just <laughs> no, I just I just that was one of the laughable things to me because literally because at that one point she just kind of shuts him down, kind of smacks him and brushes him off, and then she goes over and the love in her eyes because it is her child. Like there at the end, she's she warms up to the idea, and then we pan back on the building and movie credits roll. Um, but that was just kind of the thing for me. Like I kind of, it was just like, oh, he's got his father's eyes, and then we do the fade in the background, and the, all that kind of stuff just led to a kind of <laughs> for me because like when she smacked him at the end, Cassavetes, he's just like, well, they promised me they wouldn't hurt you, and this and that. And I was like, all right, man, I get it. Like you just literally gave your wife to Satan because you wanted to be famous. And I drew so many nowadays references to that. I right. was just like, right on, but dude, I Real get life it. parallels. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I didn't mean to, but this is how it was for me. And I, I, and another thing is, like, I think going into this movie, I went in this movie for a different reason. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from this movie, but I went in this movie for a different reason. I went in this movie to watch this movie for this podcast. Mm. Like, there's a reason I haven't, I haven't picked up Rosemary's Baby in the past 15, 20 years. 
You see but, what I'm saying? But then you went and bought a $45 copy. No, 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 no. I was in Indianapolis. Or we went to a we went to a place who had Criterion Collection on sale half price. You could get it for five dollars in the Walmart. Well, the man, the I'm professor explained to me how a Criterion Collection DVD is an investment. Plus, I am a sucker for extra features, and We're that's also, the reason you're I switched also to Blu-ray. kind of forgetting a big part of it, which was that it was half off. Oh, it was that half was the, off. Uh, that was the fair. perk. That's it was fifteen dollars. Right. Right. Yeah, it was fifteen dollars for this two-disc Criterion Collection. All these neat documentaries, like that's the stuff I'm into. I'm into the behind the scenes. I'm into the story, the true stories. That's why I bought the DVD. Like I didn't remember the movie being anything great, but I knew that I I wanted to hear more about Polanski, mm-hmm. and that's why. I, that was one of the things I really enjoyed. So that's my chance. Right on. Anything left to say about Rosemary's baby? I've said all oh, I uh, need to say. Like I said, I think you made a good pick. I, I'm not taking anything away from it. I just, it, for me, as I am, it just wasn't for, it just wasn't my high on my list, mm-hmm. but it's still a visually stunning movie. I just, uh, I think it's hit. Well, the criteria, the key word is hip. She was a hip. The a the hip director. Lady. I mean, hip, the people in it. Lady. You got Ruth Gordon from Harold and Maude, Mia Farrow, Cassavetti's the king of independent cinema. Uh, just a lot of, of cool wrapped into one movie. And I like at how subtle it is, how it leaves a lot of things for the imagination, and how there's a lot of different uh, subject matter that is in there without it ever being forceful. But, like, if you want to ever, you know, examine, you know, feminism and the movement that was starting, you know, to happen in the 60s or psychedelic stuff going on. That's all there without it being shoved down your throat. But it's there to talk about if you want to. And that's what I like about it is that from the horror standpoint to all the other subject matter and what's going on in it, it's just quality. Yeah. I just thought it was very interesting that scene where uh, Cassavetes comes into, Cassavetes is talking to Mia Farrow because he tries to come into the kitchen and the women won't let him in the kitchen. And then the next day he literally, the line is, is that what those bitches told you? And you're just like, wow, really? Like, and I just thought that was kind of, you know, like just because they were all in there talking, they wouldn't let him in. Like immediately it went to, you know, like he had that controlling vibe over her. And okay. and then we find out why, but I just right. thought that was interesting. Right. Okay. Very well. Moving right no, along. No, you didn't give us your final thoughts. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I think I told you from the beginning. Okay, I love I got it. You. I love it. I just think it's, I just love the feel of the movie. I love the, uh, uh, just, I mean, I just think Polanski did it well. I mean, the isolation, everything from all of that going on. So I feel like I just, I said everything I need to say about the movie. Okay, it's, I got it's, you. it's great. So that's me. Uh, I think let's move into, uh, oh, you want to do Black Waters? I was going to say Behind the Mask, but. It doesn't matter, either one. Okay, well. Let's do behind the mask, because I think I think Black Waters is going to have some more colorful commentary on it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so behind the mask, Mad Chan, give us the facts on this one. Behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Um, this was my pick, and it was my pick for a reason. I didn't think one. It doesn't fit genre. I'm sorry, it doesn't. It's not a slasher movie. It's not a documentary. It's um, 
It's just an all-around good movie. I didn't think we'd ever get to it in Did any other topic. you say it's not topic. a mockumentary or not a documentary? I said it's not a documentary. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a mockumentary. Mo- it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's, it's got a mockumentary type It's film. almost like a mockudrama. Yeah, no, and that's what it is. A mockudrama <laughs> would be would be good. But I, kn- I knew we'd never get to it otherwise and anything else. And Behind the Mask was one of those movies that when I saw it for the first time, I was like, man, I, I've got to watch it again. Like, I was ready to see it again because I knew there were things that I missed. Yeah. Immediately. So that was why it was my pick. I, my pick. I think uh, I love the slasher genre, and I love the way that this movie looks at the slasher, the slasher genre, and kind of pokes fun at it. At the same time, giving you a realistic. All right, look, you need to step your game up. That's the way I always took this movie. Was yeah, yeah, Slashers yeah, yeah. need to step their game up because I'm going to tell you right now everything that's happening in your slasher movie, and I'm going to make fun of it. So if you want to make a better slasher movie, you got to step your game up, and that's the way it rolls for me, man. Like, I was so amazed by this movie. Uh, I love this movie. I think the first time I saw it, either you loaned me a copy or uh, yeah, or you were working at Blockbuster and I rented it over there. I can't remember. No, no, you, you know, watched it with me, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think this is a great movie. Yes. Um, I love the, the mockudrama style of it, that they're trying to do a news story on Leslie Vernon and on serial and slasher killers. And they treat, they treat the slashers like they're real. Like yeah, this yeah. is, we're, we're, we're existing in a fantasy world where, um, I love how Scott Wilson puts it, where Fred, Mike, and Jay are all three <laughs> real people. And, right, right, right. And they even do that opening where they go to Haddonfield mm-hmm. and Crystal Lake and stuff like that. So, Which are all in Pasadena, by the way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they're within their box of each other, but yeah. good. So, um, no, I just, I really like this movie. I think it's clever. Um, I think that it's, uh, I think it's really something that people in the horror community should watch. I think it's something that everybody should see. I will say, you talked about, you know, watching it again. The rewatchability is not there as much for me. I got you. I, you know, this is probably my third or fourth time watching it for this, for this show. And, um, I, I got a little bored, but that's just because I've seen it and some of the magic from the first view was gone. You know I mean? It's like, I don't want to compare it to an M. Night Shyamalan movie, but that, you know, like I, you know, those are great the first time around, but then some of the magic's gone after that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for real. Like, after you find out the aliens can be killed by water, you're just like, I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> exactly. Never again. Exactly. They came to a planet that's 75% water, and they tried right. to take us over. Right, right, right. I'm going to kick you into the lake. And so, win. but that, I think that, <laughs> though I make that comparison, it's unfair, because Behind the Mask is a fine film. It's yes. a fine movie, and I would recommend it ten times over to anybody. Professor? Uh, I agree that the rewatchability isn't there as much as I thought it would be. I still respect it and like it a lot. Um, but just knowing, you know, what's coming and, and the structure of the film, it's it's just not one that you can put on and watch all the time. I agree. I do um, agree with that. Which kind of surprised me a little because of how much I loved it the first time yeah, I watched it. I th- right, right, it right. just never really thought about that. When we were watching it, I was like, man, I'm kind of ready to be done. Like, maybe give it more time, but I will say that I think, and this may sound a little goofy at first, but I'll explain. I think it's the best genre film in the last 10 years. Yes, thank you. And what I say by that is I don't think it's the scariest. Nope. I don't think it's the best shot or best produced, but I think it's the best movie for the horror community in the last 10 years. Thank you. It is made well. 
that it's made to appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. Here you go. Fun, quick side discussion. Behind the mask or cabin in the woods? I think I think behind the mask had I think behind the mask had more impact on me. I think Cabin in the Wood was a bigger thrill ride. Yeah, I think because they're both kind of the same thing. But, but they both yeah. have something. They both brought something cool to I, the genre. I would put in though back with that period as there was a whole just parade of really awesome movies like out of nowhere yeah. uh, for the for in terms of horror. Whereas this kind of just came out on its own two feet. That's true. Nowhere. Right. This is a little awesome. promotion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really probably. I mean, I would never. I, I never would have heard of it if if Match Hand. No. Yeah. I mean, this me. was one that. Um, okay. Well, here let's just go there. It's Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon, uh, 2006 release, uh, directed by Scott Glosserman, starring Nathan Basil. Um, Nathan Basil is actually. If you guys have ever watched um, any of the auction shows. Nathan works behind the scenes on all the auction shows. Like it's it's he's kind of a neat guy, man. He's got a lot going on for him. He um one of my best experiences at a convention in the last five years was meeting Scott Glossman and Nathan Basil. I'm sorry, like they were hilarious in person. To I've got a limited edition special poster. That poster's awesome. To see these guys and to be in the presence of these guys was just amazing. And because Nathan is just. He's so great to his fans. Oh, Scott, too. That was awesome. But we've also got, um, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, it's Angela Goenthals. Is that how you Close pronounce enough. it? Yeah. She plays Taylor Gentry. You have the great Robert England playing Doc Holleran. Um, you've got Scott Wilson. Yeah, uh, you guys yeah. know him from The Walking Dead, but this is the where I was introduced, really, really introduced to Scott because he, this role stood out to me so much more. He than, was great. Uh, and then uh, the late great Zelda Rubenstein, man, she she pops up for a little minute in this yeah. movie. Um, what about a little cameo by our good friend Kane Hodder? I yeah. Uh, Kane, we're not saying that you're our good friend, but you told us one time while we were drinking that we were good friends. So <laughs> that's why we say that. <laughs> but it's true, right? Because he said that. But anyway. It was back when um, he still had a little bit of a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> my my first note, and I, this is the most important note, is I love this film. Right. Hands down. This will always have a special place in my heart. Even, going, even if I just talk about the poor rewatchability, this will always, always, always. And I'm going to start out right now by saying usually I'm the guy that's like, spoiler alert, I didn't write anything on the third act. Because I don't want to give that much of it away for those who haven't seen it and those who have know where it's going. And we'll talk to about leading up to. But, I mean, this was one of those films for me. Like, well, I just, since I was a little kid, I always wanted the girl from Home Alone, Kevin, <laughs> you wrote the French called Les Compétons, to have her moment, and they gave it to she her. She had it, right there. You're, is that the go on Falls chick? Yeah. Uh, yeah. From really? Home Alone, yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I like how Grizz is it. Like, mine. Rewatchability <laughs> just went way up. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. Nice. Uh, we already covered, man. Like, I love how they talk about the serial, the the movie serial killers. Like, yes, real. he's right. like guys like Fred, guys like Fred J, Fred, uh, Fred J and Mike, Fred, Mike and Jay. You know, it's, I, I it love the way they such talk about a that. Fun tone, yeah, and it automatically makes the lore around him more exciting because you're right. instantly in that like mode from these stories. You know that you're like, oh, we're we're introducing a new one here. 
this is cool. Right, yeah. right. Like Leslie Vernon is the like Scott did a great job with telling that he's like Leslie Vernon is the next in the line of Fred, Mike, and Jay. Here's your new killer. It's yeah. it's that. And we already know we got Victor Crowley's one of those and we got a two thousand six movie here. I mean, we know what's coming. I mean we've got everybody was vying for that new spot. And the thing that kills me is like Victor Crowley, like Hatchet as much as I love those movies, Hatchet's had three movies now. And we're still working on getting a sequel to this one, man. Yeah. Like that's the thing that kills me. I've I've been on the the give sites and the fun this or whatever, you know the the sites, man. Like I do not understand why Von, Veronica Mars got funded in one day, and this movie trying to get far less isn't picked up by a studio because this movie had such an impact on this community. Like I have a toy of Leslie Vernon that I bought. I've got one of the first. I've got one of the first twenty produced toys of leslie vernon because i followed it that strictly and and as soon as they announced it i i was orders in and talking to guys at conventions man i had to have the leslie vernon action yeah right i don't know man you know part of the fun of this film is that um you know we get uh you know a glimpse no pun intended behind the mask like (laughs) you know we get we get to see leslie vernon at work you know we get to see uh uh, you know, the origin story, the rules, you know, he's explaining the rules. We get to see his training, you know, this requires so much cardio, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, like we just, you know, we get to peek behind the curtain a little bit and, right. uh, and, you know, see what goes into being a, a if you're going to be a serious serial killer, this is what you got to do. And I like too, that it's kind of spoofing it without spoofing it. Yes, you know what I mean? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it's finding some exactly. humor in it without mocking it at all. Yeah. But I, I think overall, um, I gotta love some of the. I just, I just love some of the the tongue and cheekedness of this movie. Like it's right. just so funny. And Leslie, like I, I love how he's like, you know, he he's a killer, but he's funny. Oh like, yeah, yeah, he's got but, a sense of humor. He's got a great sense of humor. Right. So like when they're in the library and he like reaches over his head and he's like, oh, Paradise yeah. Lost, found, found it. it. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Or when he's explaining like what's gonna happen, he's like, oh the shit, I'm gonna hang this body here. Whoever opens that door, it's gonna scare the about whoever opens that door like it's just it's great like just the little things like that um see one of the things i really enjoyed and along that same line was uh the eugene character scott wilson's character eugene um how he he talks fondly about his glory days while chopping up the carrot and as he gets further and more intense into his story he dices this carrot and it just obliterates yeah he almost purees it yeah. (laughs) yeah exactly or why he's outside he's just like drinking a beer cooking sausages talking about being a serial killer he's just like oh back in my day we didn't do that hey man like, he killed the clutter family and in cold blood yeah but um the angela gold goliath her character Leviathan. The, yeah <laughs> the taylor gentry character um, it's awesome because as the doc rolls on, she plays it perfectly in this movie because as the doc rolls on, you can see more and more. She doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Like she's, she thought this was a great idea. And then as Nathan, or Nathan Bates, as a uh, Leslie's taking them through everything, she just backtracks and, Oh my God. And then the realization finally hits her. It's like, Oh my God, these people are going to die. Yeah, which I was glad they did because it gave some gravity to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just otherwise it's nonsense. You know, it reminds me of like when you're a kid, or even now when you're an adult, but like people talk about like doing these crazy things. 
and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun. Like, let's say your friends are like, yeah, we're going to go like jump off of this bridge into the river. It's going to be awesome, you know, and we can go swimming, you know, like, but we, you know, we jump in this way. Like, oh yeah, sounds cool. And you get to the bridge, you're like, I don't don't think I want to do this anymore. (laughs) Like, that's what happened. Like, you know, like she's like, oh, this is fun. You know, like they're high five and oh, you got your your Ahab, you know, like she's, yeah, yeah. they're jumping around and they're being funny. But then like when, you know, when the time comes, she's like, Oh, people are dying here. Yeah, for real. And We're jumping off a bridge. Like this is uh, this is real, real life. Dude, this movie has one of my favorite quotes, and Nathan Basil wrote this on my poster without me asking. It's uh, he looks at the camera. He's like, "It's gonna get wet in here tonight." And <laughs> just kind of <laughs> smiles as he says it with this like this as this shit-eating grin, dude. He's like, "It's gonna get wet in here tonight." I'm just like, and it's it's just off the cuff. Yeah. And then what? Then it was just like, oh man. He's like, how do you want me to sign this? I was like, how would you sign it? You're you're the character. He's just like, two chat. It's going to get wet in here tonight. And I'm just like, oh my God, I forgot about that quote. You're amazing. It's a great because line. It's, because it's great it is. Line. It's a great line for a horror movie because he says it like joking. It's like, it's gonna, I'm going to kill people. It's going to get wet in here tonight. And he just does that. And it's amazing. And uh, one of the other things I love is when Leslie Vernon explains things. This is how this is going to go down. And then when you watch the clips and it plays out just like that, you're like, man, wow. Yeah. But, you know, and I I spoke about this earlier. I feel like Glosserman did this to go, look, man, you've done this a thousand times. I'm poking fun at it now. You need to switch up your style. If you're going to make a slasher movie, you can't do the old boring things anymore because I'm explaining how and why they get done. For all those people who may be like, well, why did she do this? Why did she do that? Why is it like this? How did that break? He kind of pokes fun and takes all that out of it. Like, why you? she grabbed the axe. Why did it break? Because he split. He knew she was going to grab the axe. He split. You know, and like. He's like, and if she gets this far. She's made it. She, you know, like right, she's, exactly. she's achieved this. Yeah. And, and I think Glosserman, like literally with this script, it was just like, your slasher has to get better because I've already told everybody exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. You have to be more creative than I was. And I'm sorry with this movie, that's hard to top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Maybe one of you can explain it to me because kind of like, uh, you know, Professor said by the end of the movie, I was kind of feigning interest because, as I said, you know, some of the magic had worn off after a right, few viewings. Right. Explain to me how the Taylor character, you know, it comes to where they finally decide, like, oh, my gosh, it was you all along. Can you clarify that? Because, you know, because Leslie is going through and he's talking about how it's going to be this girl, you know, the waitress chick that he right. really likes and. And she's the virgin. Then we find out she's not really a virgin. And then, they, you know, they've told you in the movie already. She's the red hair. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh-huh. He told you in the movie. Yeah, man. Jan, give me one. Give me yeah, the, there you go. Give me that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just taste the soup. <laughs> He's told you already. Uh-huh. She's the, 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 the character. The, the virgin character is the red herring. That's She's it. not the virgin. He knew she wasn't the virgin. Yeah. He sat there and explained. That's one of the brilliance yep. of the movie. Now I remember He that. explained yep. to the woman the whole time, this is how it's going to happen. This is how I, this is what you're going to do. And I'm still going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And that's why he sits there 
and they're in the loft and they're he's crying because he's so happy and she holds his hand and he looks over at her and smiles because this is the girl he and he says at the end he's like i knew it was you all along this is the girl that's finally going to give him what he wants he's uh, been searching for this yep so she's the 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 other chick kelly's a red herring yep. throughout the whole thing yep and the moment that hit me boom it was over yeah i was like this is amazing i think it hit the because it hits the audience because they force you into it glossman forces you into it you lose the documentary perspective and go into the movie yeah yep spoiler but seriously it's amazing spoiler. still watch it if yep. you haven't seen it still watch it yep. because you it, and it does it switches over from this documentary style to now watch everything that we've told you for two acts play out the way that a serial killer would play it out Mm -hmm. our serial killer leslie vernon right and you get to watch the end of it and it's not what you saw set up because we find out that that character is the virgin she's the survivor it's an amazing movie yeah so well i'm in love with this movie so much i mean seriously like it was this was that breath of fresh air this and hatchet gave me a year or two like those, there were a couple franchises that renewed my faith and and everything I'd spent my time doing, and this was one of them, man. Professor, anything more you want to say? Uh just it, it's a fresh movie. That would be, it is. It's so fresh. It's, it's uh, it, it goes down and and strips into it strips into you know the core of so many movies that it's paying tribute to without it being you know kind of obnoxious about it i just you know i love that like uh when he's out uh scoping out people and talking about the archetypes that we know for you know these kind of storylines and you know checking out this person and explaining why they're it and why they're not and so on so i mean just from start to finish it's just fresh. I mean, even with the credits, it's cool with the Talking Heads playing oh, over the surround. Oh, dude. That, dude, I love that they play Psycho Killer for yeah. the Chris. It's just, it's, it's just a killer. fresh movie. Um, say. And just the last thing I will say is that it was pretty cool initially for me the first time I watched this. All right. <laughs> the, was the transition and how exciting that was from when we went to you know kind of like documentary indie style over to cinematic. Yes. And yes, I just yes. you know it's like I uh, it sounds goofy but it, you know it's reminiscent of the Wizard of Oz and switching over to that whole world like it's it was just really exciting for me on the initial viewing. So. Oh no. It's, and it's, I can re vividly yeah. remember the first time I watched it going, oh that's awesome. Yeah. Right because oh, it yeah. does it does that over it does yeah. that overhead pan. Because she says, literally, the line is, the documentary's over, yeah. and we do the overhead pan to her off. putting the camera into the into the van, and it switches into a movie, and you're like, what? What, what just happened? Like, mind blown, literally. And I love how point. the film quality changes. Mm -hmm. because, oh, yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I may or may not have used to own a bootleg copy of this. <laughs> and Don't then, say that. And then when I got... A real DVD version to make sure the director DVD, got his money. DVD. Um, I remember watching it. I'm like, really? This is the DVD version? Like, this is kind of crappy. But then when it switched over, I was like, oh, snap. We're, <laughs> we're in 35, baby. <laughs> it's happening now, son. Somebody yeah. getting pregnant here tonight. <laughs> so, yeah. 
It was it was a good cut. Oh so. man, that Tracy Morgan was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, that was my choice. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And I seriously suggest, man, we haven't even really began to cover it. There's a lot of things that go on in this movie. If you haven't seen it, man, see it. And I know I'm supposed to make my pitch at the very end, but I mean, I, I believe in this film. I like this film that much. Just watch it. Please. Just watch it. You will not be disappointed. If you're disappointed, I'll give you your money back. No, he won't. No, <laughs> shut up. No, Grizz, stop. Well, I didn't like it then. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. <laughs> Check it out. Copies can be purchased at the toilet store. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I loved it. No, we did too. JK, LOLs. All right, so we got our third and final. And strongest. <laughs> Move out of the way, Rosemary's baby. <laughs> we have our crowning I'm achievement for the evening. Being a dick. Is uh, here we go. This was my selection. This was the Black Waters of Echo's Pond. And I want to tell you why no, I chose no, this. No, 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 man. <laughs> um, you know what, man? I'm going like, to give you so I'll give you the behind the scenes. Go ahead. So my friend, Mad Chan, you may have heard of him, <laughs> um, he saw a screening of this at a horror con, and he came home, and he was like, bro, my gosh, you have to see the Black Waters of Echoes Pond. It's the greatest thing ever. Is that pretty accurate? <laughs> I don't he know left, story. He laughed because it's true. Pretty he laughed because it's true. And I was man, like, uh, I was like, oh man! I was like, I can't wait to see it. And I was like, hang on, hang on. You telling me that Frank the Bunny from Donnie Darko is in it? Are you telling me that the T one thousand is in it? Are you telling me that them crazy babysitter twins is in it? I gotta see this. Oh wait, wait, wait. Daniel Harris is in it too. I got to see this. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad you were so happy about it because I did hype it up. I <laughs> and then I got a hold of it. <laughs> and it was the black waters of echoes oh, um i don't i don't want to get too hard on this movie just yet uh i'd love for mad chan to uh to give us a proper all right intro. man let's get into this all right, <laughs> all right so what what happened what, what, was what year what year okay so, so we're looking at this. the black waters of echoes pond 2009 um and i would say starring Starring none other than Robert Patrick, Daniel Harris, uh, Jimmy Duvall, James Duvall, the Avellian twins, Nick Minnell, um, a slew of others, man. Like, I mean, there's there's more people in this movie. Like, there's lots of people in this movie who look like people that you should no, know. No, I mean, like, what's that, his The name bad up? guy from Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, the bad guy from Kindergarten Cop is in this movie. He's in the opening scene of this movie, and that's what attracted me but to Chin. it. Yeah. They, they told me they were like, "Hey, man, you see Kindergarten Cop?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Remember that kid's dad?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "He's in this movie." And I was like, "Well, I got to see it. Who else is in it?" And they were like, "I don't know about you. Guys, you won't know anybody else." I was but like, oh, I okay. love Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> if you're a human being, uh, you love Kindergarten Cop because <laughs> the dad, Midwest monsters. Home, homeboy's dad looked. Homeboy's dad looked at vagina all day. <laughs> And their 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 mom said that their dad was a real sex machine. It's not a tumor. <laughs> not what a if tumor. we what if we did kindergarten cop quotes for the next five minutes? <laughs> we're getting there. We need to stop. Right, we that. need to stop. I we can handle stop. it. Oh, we're this talking about the black one. <laughs> oh, it's not a, a tumor. <laughs> oh, we need to stop, dude. We need to stop. Oh man, let's get back on this. Boys have, have penises. penises. Girls, Girls have, have vaginas. vaginas. 
Oh, All right, well, that about does it for Blackwaters. So glad y'all joined us this evening. Nah, you have no idea how many times that that little nugget of advice has got me out of mix-ups, man. I was like, wait, boys have penises, girls have vaginas. Like, oh, what am I doing here? Right. Need to get out of this bar real quick. So, um, at a convention... Cincinnati, it's a horror hunt convention in Cincinnati, and walk in, and a guy that I've met several times at this point named, uh, named Sean Clark, the famous, the infamous at this point, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Clark, Sean was walking by, and was like, hey, Sean, what's going on? Sean's like, man, we're showing a movie here this weekend. You have to watch it. It's Blackwaters of Echoes Pond. I was one of the writers on it. I'm a producer on it. And, uh, okay, cool. So we line up, and there's, uh, there's tons of people, and they're shooting like DVD extras or what was supposed to be, you know, yeah, like, like yeah. we want to release the movie and they wanted to, to show how much interest there was at horror conventions. So we go in, we watch the movie and it was a, I don't think it was a polished final cut of the movie. I think it was more of like a rough final cut of the movie. And we got to see that. And, um, it's like, Oh man, it's got Daniel Harris. It's got, you know, Robert Patrick and Jimmy Duvall. And one of the other key things was, uh, the Avellian twins and mm-hmm. James Duvall were there that weekend, and they were signing uh, copies of the Blackwaters of Echo Pond poster, like a 27 by 41 inch poster that you could get for free, and they would sign. Wow. And I was like, oh, man, that's BA. I didn't know that. So um, I don't know if they were supposed to be free or not, but I was one of the first ones, um, and I got mine signed for free. And I think they eventually started charging because they all have, you know, fees, you know. But um, I think I got mine signed for free. I took photos with I took photos with everybody, and uh, then we went and saw the movie, and it was like, man, this is BA, dude. Like, uh, like it was a neat little horror Jumanji. And <laughs> and uh, we you saw stole my line, <laughs> dude. But we so no, I'm sorry to me steal your line, but we watched the movie and then come out of the movie, and I start telling everybody I know about this movie. Man, you got to see Black Waters. Can't wait till Black Waters comes out, man. Black Waters is amazing. And time rolled by, and two, two, three years, I think, four years. Now, it, no, I, it, it took a while. Yeah, like yeah, three or right. four years. Yeah, yeah it, took it a while. rolled by, and I had told everybody I know about this movie. Like, dude, you got to see Black Waters, man. Like, when Black Waters comes out, you've got to see it. It's amazing. And I think I'd hyped it up so much at that point to everybody that when it was finally released on Blu-ray. We went to a convention, and again, the Avellian twins, Jimmy Duvall, and Daniel Harris were there this time, and they were signing. If you bought a DVD or a Blu-ray, they would sign your copy for free, and went and picked it up, and Sean, dude, like, you know, glad the movie's coming out, bro, and got the movie, and got it home, and watched it, and was like, man, this is not the movie I remember. (laughs) I don't think anything was cut. That's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, in my mind, it was this amazing, best horror movie I'd ever seen. And it's, it's still a good movie, but it was the most amazing horror movie I'd seen up to that point in my mind. <laughs> right. Because right. it wasn't there for me to go back through and re-reference. Yeah. And I hyped it up, like, so much when people finally saw it. Like, I brought back copies, and people were like, man, really? And I was like, no, dude, it's a good movie. And then I watched it again, and I was like, eh, maybe I'm wrong. But no, it's a good movie, but I mean, yeah. maybe I was wrong about how great it was. You know, I, I'm like, for some reason in my mind, it was reaching like chainsaw status. 
which it's not. Right. But it was in my mind because I couldn't get my hands on it. It was taking so long to come out. It was reaching chainsaw status the way I would epically tell people about this movie. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was part of that crowd. Uh, <laughs> uh, professor. I think the easiest way to get to I the core of this film is to play a little game. And it's called, Who is my daddy and what does he do? No, I'm kidding. Um, this has a lot of uh, a lot of great aspects to this film that I like, uh, and maybe you guys can clue me in a little bit on this. But it seems to me like there was just only so much money that was really focused in certain areas. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there will be like these just amazing scenes with makeup and certain special effects. Right. Oh, yeah. And then man. the next like, scene will look like a 1990s computer game sequence, like where they're like when they're out in the water. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. seriously? This just looks horrible when they're out on that little boat at the beginning. Right. But then you go through some of the stuff in the movie that looks like, yeah, like amazing, and I don't Homeboy's, know if money got tied up. When Homeboy's, like, chained up downstairs, yeah. like, I, I remember, I, and still, even in my second yeah. viewing, like, my, DVD, my Blu-ray viewing of it, was still cringing at some of the special effects that were in this movie, but other things were lacking because the the very beginning where they're searching for the relic, um, and the the guy from Kindergarten Cop when they're searching for that relic, <laughs> it was like, man, this this kind of looks, this looks cheap compared to Robert Patrick being in this movie. Like you you wouldn't imagine the T one thousand in a movie like that. Because I mean, daddy? come on, he's done. What does he do? <laughs> I'm a cop, you idiot. <laughs> it's a ferret. No, it's a, this is a ferret. Detective John Kimball. John Kimball. Come on, y'all. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the No, point. you aren't. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the point. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Um, Give it a map, Scott. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the effects because it's a great point because. There's that one scene right towards the beginning when they start playing the giant Jumanji game. Um, right. And uh, the... <laughs> heaven forgive me. The dark-skinned oh, black Jesus. guy. <laughs> Not the light-skinned one who looks like a poor man's Drake. Okay, real quick. Um, let's, let's stop. <laughs> reset. <laughs> and I'll give you a name and we can go back into that. Yeah. You can do that. Walker Howard, who played Trent. Yes. I love the part where Walker Howard looks at <laughs> oh one of the one of the gorgeous twins, and she sees him, and he's got the the pan face, like. But she's the only one who sees it. And she's like, "Oh my God, don't ever make that face again." Mm -hmm. That was a great special effect. Oh yeah, yeah I think yeah, they yeah. blew half their budget on that. Yeah, like, it was it, awesome. It was great, and like it was, you know, it was genuinely creepy. And then like later, like some of the effects where they're like seeing different faces and stuff, not so great. But that was one, like, I was like, boom, that was a great shock. And that was at the beginning of the movie. And, like, right. so that's one of the things that draws you in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot to set you up for this. Yeah. Like, um, uh, was anybody else drawn in by the Daniel Harris possible lesbian sex scene just to be let down? Yeah. No, but the thing that <laughs> killed me was I remembered that from the screening, and that's part of the me fantasizing about this or, like, yeah, that's what it was. It was fantasizing about this movie. Yeah. I remembered more happening than what you... Because you don't really see anything. Yeah. But I remembered more happening, and maybe it did in the original version that I saw, but I don't think so. But I just remember more because I was like, oh, Daniel Harris goes off and she has this this love scene with a woman, you know, and it's this this thing. And then the, the twins take their 
respective boyfriends, husbands out and then shit happens and then it, none of that happens. Yeah. It's all just literally like the what's in my head. Yeah. And it's the two guys on downstairs, man, that was dope, dude. I'm sorry. It really was like that was it was yeah. awesome. After yeah. you've seen the vision of him yeah. going through his Oh, uh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that, was yeah great. that was a great scene. Yes. Um. So I want to, you know, I just want to throw out some of my, my initial thoughts about the film. I know we've been talking about it for like five minutes, but these are my initial thoughts. One, it's a it's a film that I hate to love and love to hate. Right on. You know what I mean? Like, because, I, like, there's so many parts about this film that do what I want a horror movie to do. Like, mm-hmm. I love that about it. But then there's also some parts where I'm just like, oh, you, so, you could have done that so much better. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 there. You could have toned it down and did it. A it's it's almost like you were riding a roller coaster and you got to the top of the biggest hill and then it broke down. Yeah, but this is, but we got to, the one thing you got to remember about this film, man, this wasn't a Carpenter film. This was an indie film and that's why it took so long to come out. Right. It wasn't, it, not only money issues, but, you know, like, owning owning issues rights issues this was an indie film man. Yeah, the thing i disagree with you on is usually there's more consistency you know what i mean like what no no, I'm not, no, no. with within <laughs> a film you have a, a budget that has been spread through and the quality fairly remains the same whereas in this you'll have stuff that looks like top tier oh no no, no and then you'll a, have yeah, stuff yeah. that looks like you know it was made for 1980s television. No, that yeah, that's that's part of what I was getting at with you on that was no, I I completely agree. That's what I'm saying. It was an indie film. It's like we got to make sure because movies aren't shot in sequence, so it's like we're gonna make sure that this effect looks looks great, and we're gonna make sure this looks great. And as you get into production, you know those first few effects look amazing. Yeah. And then as you get lower on money and things keep going no professor i'm with you on that but yeah because i'm sure that's what happened because as people come and go and as money starts to dwindle you're just like we've got to do this because you can tell like and i hate to keep coming back to it but it just that scene in the basement with those two guys and and some of the things with like jimmy duvall and the flashbacks and what they look into the board and see and the board itself those things i mean there was time and effort put into those things and some of the other things it was just i'm not saying there wasn't time and effort i'm saying that some of the other things you could tell that not as much money went into them those i get you professor yeah, yeah. right and I, I love you talked about some of the flashback scenes um you know the guys in the basement and going right. back to you know how he ripped off and cheated and stuff like that but then you know we finally get to the the you know Screwed the him out of promotion right 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 and the, you know we, we we go back and forth about Oh, well, who had sex with who and stuff like that. And then we get to the James Duvall, the crash scene, which is really supposed to be one of the pivotal scenes. You know what I mean? Because that's like hinging on why everybody loves or hates sex with your wife and not in those words. Not in those words. (laughs) Right. But, But, um, you know, and that's, you know, we get that James Duvall crash scene about where like he switched seats with uh, Daniel Harris's brother. And like, by the time we get to that point, I really appreciate what they're trying to do. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm saying, dog, you've done too much by this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really tried to do... Too much layering of what we're uncovering. Right. There were too many layers to this onion. Are we going to go all the way there with the ending? Are we going to say it out loud? Yeah, I think we should. Um, Right on. Yeah, so I thought thought that storyline was... I thought that storyline was good because there has to be a reason why... Like, everybody has that friend, and I think I'm that friend in this group. But everybody has that friend when, like, you go to a party, you're just like, ah, damn, 
this person is going to do something stupid. Yep. Why did we invite this person? Right. And I've been that person. I understand. But, <laughs> like, the Jimmy Duvall aspect of it was with that crash, and then we find out what goes on in that crash. And then we get all the way to the end of the film. And he, and it cuts back to Jimmy Duvall, and he flips that card. Yeah. And you're just like, what's he going to do? We've made this point on the film before. It was another once upon a time in America sort of moment. <laughs> you know, if, if you're familiar with the... Is that Sergio? That's not Sergio Leone, is it? Yeah, that's a Sergio Leone mob movie where you get to the end and Robert De Niro is like just taking a hit off an opium pipe and you're like, was this real? Or was this all a dream? Right. Yeah, so we get back to that moment and um, I, res- I, I really respect films. There's always a fine line. You've heard me complain on the show before. I don't like movies where you get to the end and it's like, oh, actually, I was the crazy one. I did the murdering all along. You know what I mean? Like, I hate those movies. Like, get, me, get out of here with that tweet spin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so we get to the end and it's like, oh, was it reality? Was it a dream? What's you, his well, choice? The, the card sits there. The card sits there yeah. and then asks the question. It's like, do you want the events that you've seen yeah. to come yeah. true or unfold or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so the whole movie was played out in this game. And honestly, I thought, like, as many layers as it was, I thought that was brilliant. I think it's a great ending. Oh, I think it's a I thought great it was an awesome ending. ending yes. Because yeah. at that point, it's like Jimmy DeVall has to make that make that call. And all he these hears people are going to die. He hears in his head all the shit they talked about him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And just all through all the flashbacks, I was like, man, that's a great way to end this movie. And I think that's one of the reasons was because when you go to the movies, man, the ending of the movie really sticks with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can tell you a lot better now how the end of, like, X-Men, what Days of Future Past ended versus how it began, even though I can remember. But I'm just saying I can tell you a lot more vividly how movies ended than how they began because the endings are what sticks with you. And I think that was one of the things that made me be a trooper for this film as long as I was is because I remember watching that ending and going, oh, man, that's amazing. Like, Jimmy Duvall, it's a, you know, he's got this choice to make. And, you know, I don't want to compare it to Sophie's choice, but it's this huge choice. Like, do you want the events to play out? Yeah. Or not? Yeah. And he's like, all these assholes who talk shit about me can, can die. What if, or, he, what if he flips over that card? And it says, who is your daddy? <laughs> Man, dude, I was, I was going to invite Sean to come talk on this show, but I ain't inviting nothing, man. Yeah, just, you, you like, we're going to have to have Sean on a different episode. <laughs> like, Sean, tell us about Horror's Hollowed Grounds. Don't talk at all about Blackwater's Rebecca Pond, because we made fun of it by saying, who is your daddy? And what, <laughs> what does, does he do? This is a fact. I do want to say we 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 hit some of these points as a joke, but we kept saying Jumanji, and I do want to say for me this movie is a bit of a mix. I think this was Jumanji meets the Friday the Thirteenth reboot. <laughs> that was some of the feel that I got from it. Excuse me. <laughs> Why? Because like I think Nick Minnell, maybe he's is he in both. I mean like. Like, how do you get Friday the 13th reboot out of Blackwaters of Echo's Pond? Just watch it again. 
just watched. I've it. seen that movie a hundred times. <laughs> not once was Jimmy Duvall in it, man. I, <laughs> now, I've seen Independence Day. He was in that. Yeah. I saw was. the Doom Generation. He was in that. Yeah, he was great in Independence Day. He was. <laughs> he had the most but... minuscule part. You don't even know who he is. He was my You're dad. You're literally sitting there like Frank says. the Bunny, he man. He was I'm... my dad. Yep. <laughs> um. But no, the, I mean the Jumanji thing. I would I would be interested in in talking to the director and say, what do you say to people who say this is Jumanji? Because upon <laughs> upon like a third viewing, it it's not as Jumanji as I thought it was, but it still kind of is. But I love that like these these guys now 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 pay attention that they find like a four foot by two foot thing in the wall and they go, let's play. <laughs> <laughs> like that's their first notion. Like, oh, I love how yeah, you, I so... love how you can clarify and rationalize Rosemary's Baby, but you you're like board games. No, <laughs> old board game in the attic. We're not playing that, dog. Yeah. Why? Because evil spirits and giraffes will come running out of this. I've game. seen Jumanji. <laughs> there's I've seen it. <laughs> there's an imp coming out of this right now. You know now, what those man. monkeys do? <laughs> the monkeys are bad. They're nuts. Okay. I like. I, I really like how you're clarifying this right now, man. That's cool. <laughs> it's like Devil Baby, game in the wall. No, dog. Like one's better than the other. <laughs> My suspension of belief has its <laughs> limits. Okay. <laughs> I believe the devil could rape a woman, but there's no way in hell that we're gonna play a game that we just found <laughs> in the closet about pandemonium. <laughs> and I love how they talk about pans plural. I'm sorry, they're called fawns. Okay. They're fawns. There was a fawn named Pan. Whatever. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> Check out our mythology podcast, okay? It's coming soon. <laughs> I like how you think we're going to talk about that Um, One thing I do want to say, talking about pans and fawns, I really liked the the, the pan slash fawn mask. I really that was, I did, I too. Like that whole outfit. That whole outfit. Oh, was, man. It was amazing. And I remember pictures from that con that you yeah, guys yeah. were at that that mask was featured at. It's it's a great mask. Yeah, man. I, like, I think uh, they used it very well. I have an autographed photo from Sean. Like, Sean, Sean, Sean signs for people, you know. And I have an autographed photo from Sean. It's Sean and the pan from Blackwaters. And I think it's got a Blackwater symbol on it or whatever. You know, like a logo. Yep. And, um... It's cool, man. Like it's one of it's one of my favorite pictures. It's a great it's a great costume setup. I it looks amazing. Um, I thought it looked amazing in the movie. And when he's walking around looking at people, appearing in windows and things with the eyes. I mean, it's 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 good. It it looks good, man. It really does. Yeah. Professora. The ending was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> It drives me nuts when I watch a whole movie and then they go, psych. <laughs> so now, you know, when you rewatch it, you're like, well, this isn't really happening. And I had no problem with just ending it because most of them are horrible people. Fucking stabbing each other in the back. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. I was, as a viewer, okay with the ridiculous slaughter that went down between these people. Right, right. Um, so I was not a fan of the ending. I It didn't spoil the movie for me. Right. Um, but I, it just wasn't needed to me. But um, another thing this reminds me of is, um, you know, that common storyline that, like, Agatha Christie used, Ten Little Indians, or and then there were none, uh, House on Haunted Hill, where you get a room full of people, especially that, where, you know, they all have their kind of 
masting sides oh, yeah. to them that you yeah. pit against each right. other. Right. And so I definitely enjoy that dynamic that's within this film. Um, the twins, when they're possessed, turn me on in a very odd way. Oh, they're they're so black, hot. black eyes and yeah, they're gorgeous. Um, yeah, but uh, there was a lot of enjoyment in this for me. Madjan, do you remember the time that we were walking <laughs> like through a horror con and we saw the twins and I said, oh man, look, it's the twins. And then you greatly shamed me in front of them and you said, they have names. I've done a lot of opium since then. <laughs> no, but seriously. Man, like, I got to no, lay off the peyote. No, that's the thing, like, uh. Man, it it wasn't you, and it's it's nothing about that. And yeah, I do remember that. But it's nothing about that. It's just like it's people who call Danny Trejo machete, and it's people who call like D Wallace any number of people that she's been. I I don't know, man. And it wasn't you. It's just like oh look, it's the crazy baby because you didn't say the twins. You said the crazy babysitter. Twins. No, I think I said. No, the you twins. said the crazy babysitter twins. You don't because know me. that's when they have <laughs> names. No, but I mean, I think another reason I said that kind of loud is because I wanted an eye poppy kind of hug. Who but, is your daddy? And, and what, what does, does he, he do? do? Oh, you idiots. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the question I asked the, the twins. Do when, it. Uh, do it now. <laughs> I was like, who is your Joy. daddy? And what, but anyway, no, I mean, that's all that was. And it was, I, I think I was, I was too many beers to the wind at that point. You've killed my chances. Did you have a chance? No. Probably not. Yeah, our good friend, uh, our good friend Nisi. Yeah, Nisi's friends with the twins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've Nisi seen is that. Yeah. friends with yeah, the yeah, twins. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll we'll Facebook. just call Nisi and we'll hook that up. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm not a policeman. I'm a princess. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> what was his name in the movie? Mr. Oh, what was his last name? Kimball. Yeah, Mr. Kimball, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> they wheel you out on the stretcher. <laughs> Mr. Kimball, are you Ladies okay? Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the Midwest Monsters podcast this time. That's the first Mad Chan wrap-up we've ever had. <laughs> He's telling us. Because I yeah, normally we can't wrap him up. It's getting He's so ridiculous. Up. I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Mad Chan, and I'm here today with... Mad Chad, get, <laughs> get your toy and get to the carpet. I'm Grizzly Abner. That's who I am. <laughs> we got to get out of here. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for the mid I already did that part, man. <laughs> Just close it out. I do it. We're doing it live. I'm Grizzly Abner. And I'm here with Mad Chad. Professor Wagstaff, and if you didn't like this episode, don't worry, it was all a dream. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> Stay scary, my friends. Bye.